We'd stand as we begin our service. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for another beautiful day, another Sunday where we recognize that you are not in the grave, you are risen, you are alive, living in our hearts, living among us, that your presence, where two or three are gathered together, you promise that you're there in the midst, and we recognize that your spirit living in us and your very self here as we worship together, we pray that you would use our songs that we're singing this morning to encourage our hearts and to let it be a worship to you, a praise, a recognition of uh, how much we love you, how much we owe you, the debt uh, that we are bought with a price and to praise you because of that. Pray that you use everything that's done this morning to glorify yourself in Jesus Christ, and we ask in his name. Amen. You will forgive me if my voice is a little gruffy. I um, started to catch a a cold before, and I think I'm on the aftermath of it. I'm sucking on a cough drop and trying to sing. Hopefully I won't suck it down the wrong hole while we're... While we're going, if I, anybody know the Heimlich maneuver, just in case something happens, okay, I'm, I'm, cl- I'm covered, all right. So if you take the um, papers that are in your um, bulletins that have our words to our songs, we're going to start off with a great uh, hymn of praise to God. To God be the glory, great things he's done. He loved us so much that he sent us his son. To God be the glory, great things He had done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He had done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes That moment from Jesus a pardon receives Praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he had done. Great things he had taught us, great things he had done. And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But pure and higher and greater will be a wonder our transport when Jesus we see. 
Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father, dear Jesus, the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. It's a great song, uh, not just for Easter, uh, recognition that Christ is alive. Um, our testimony, if somebody, you know, they, they, they talk about, uh, I guess it was Josh, I can't remember his last name, Josh, uh, the famous uh, Dow, McDowell, okay. He, he was trying to prove that Jesus wasn't real and ended up getting saved <laughs> as he discovered that he actually was. But we talk about a proof that Jesus is alive. Right here, right here. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's here that knows Jesus Christ, your Savior, the fact that he's alive in your life and the difference in the person that I am today proves that he is a living, risen Savior, and he's in, in the world today, and I know he's living because he lives within my heart. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy, I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives salvation to import. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that He is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of His appearing will come at last. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to import. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives salvation to import. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. 
Thank you. You may be seated. This is probably, to me, one of the most um, reverent of hymns and one of the greatest praise hymns ever written, Holy, Holy, Holy. Um, I'm sure this will be, is now and will be forever sung around the throne. Blessed Trinity, holy, holy, merciful, and mighty is the Lord God. We'll do the last verse a cappella, so if I quit playing, doesn't mean quit singing, just keep going. <laughs> Trinity. 
can't stress enough as a Christian the importance of prayer. The fact that Jesus spent so much time on earth praying tells us how much more we need to be in prayer, asking God to give us the things that we need and to show us his will and to lead us in the way that he would have us go. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief. Oft escaped the tender snare by thy return, sweet Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, the joys I feel, the bliss I share of those whose anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return. With such I hasten to the place where God my Savior shows his face and gladly take my station there and wait for thee, sweet hour of Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet It's a great thought, as Peter wrote, to cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. Last song before Steve um, comes up to share the message. Knowing you, taken from the book of Philippians, uh, Paul, as he talked about, his only, only driving goal in life was to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection in his life. 
And that should be our goal as well as Christians. Our whole purpose, if, 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 that, if it wasn't for that, God should have just took us as soon as he saved us, poof off to heaven. But he wants us to stay here on earth to know him, to spend time knowing him, to, to live our lives to know him better and to share him with others, knowing him. All I want will do Build my life upon All this world reveres And wars to own All I want start gain I have counted loss Spent and worthless now Compared to you Knowing you, Jesus Knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more and be found in known as yours to possess by faith what I could not earn all surpassing gift of righteousness knowing you Jesus knowing you there is no greater You're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Oh, to know the power of your risen life, and to know you with your suffering, to become like you. In your death, my Lord, so with you to live and never die. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. And I love you, Lord. And I love
Scripture reading this morning is going to be found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. So if you take your Bible you brought with you, or if you have one, don't have one, there should be one in the pew in front of you, or you can simply uh, sit and listen to the Word of God. Excuse me, be reading Isaiah chapter 14, verses 7 through 15. All the lands are at rest and at peace. They break into singing. Even the pine trees and the cedars of Lebanon exult over you and say, Now that you've been laid low, no woodsman comes to cut us down. The grave below is all astir to meet you at your coming. It rouses the spirits of the departed to greet you, all those who were leaders in the world. It makes them rise from their thrones. All those who were kings over the nations, they will all respond. They will say to you, You also have become weak as we are. You have become like us. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to earth. You have once laid low, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Let's pray. Father, I think we look at this passage as being prophetic of one day Satan um, no longer having power on this earth when Jesus Christ comes back and takes control of this world as he is the true ruler now and sets up his kingdom that Satan will be bound and put in chains for a thousand years while we enjoy peace here on earth and then his ultimate doom to the lake of fire for his exalting himself above you, pride that would cause probably the highest created angel to think that he didn't need to worship you, that he was worthy of praise himself. For me, for all of us sometimes, our pride can make us not worship you the way we should to think that somehow too highly of ourselves and not recognizing that you are all, that you are the God of this universe that all praise, all glory, all honor should always be given to you, never trying to take upon ourselves. So we recognize the singing that was done this morning is to your glory. Um, As we read your word, it's to your glory. As Steve comes and shares from your word and we recognize your, your plan for this world and how it's unfolding, that you get the glory from that as well. And we look forward to one day seeing you being all in all in this universe and ruling and reigning in complete power. We ask you to use the rest of this service today in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you here with us this morning, those of you who are watching online 
as well. Indeed, it's good to be together here. That last song that we sang is one of my favorites, Knowing You, that one line there. Knowing you, knowing Jesus, knowing you, there's no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Indeed, in this world, this is the most important thing, knowing him and as Steve even there last part of his prayer, looking for that time when Christ will be here and this world will be a much, much better place. We are talking a little bit about the devil today. He read from Isaiah chapter 14, but what's important is knowing what God says in his word. Whether it's Isaiah 14, we are looking at at the words of Jesus and the gospel of John. We've got a passage today, John chapter 8, very powerful very important passage that God wants to understand, number of truths that he wants us to learn from there. So let's begin then and go to John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. The last number of weeks, I had a couple weeks off here, but been going through John, Gospel of John, particularly with a reference to looking at Jesus and the Gospel of Jesus, not going verse by verse per se, but, per se, but just looking at a lot of truths and Got a couple more weeks in John, then we're going to move on to some other subjects as we move through the year here. But John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36, we read, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, says, We are Abraham's descendants, never yet been enslaved anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in his, the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the world makes, son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is talking about the true disciple, the true Christian, what he looks like. And the true Christian is one who knows and believes the truths of God. This is truth about God, truth that he is holy and just and merciful. It's truth about Jesus, that he is both God and man, that he died for the sins of man. It's truth about man, that he's one who is a sinner and is one who then who is enslaved to a sin. And the person who's saved then, who's a Christian, he knows this truth. And he believes this truth. And he continues in this truth. That's what Jesus was saying. That is, he continues to believe then the truth of God. Not only that, but what it says that a true Christian, that is one who is free from sin. He's not enslaved to sin, but he is rather free from sin and the effects of sin, and free then to do what God wants him to do. It says um, in Romans, sin shall not be master over you. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. A very, very important truth. We live in United States of America, you all understand that. We live in a country, at least in my opinion, where we have probably more freedoms and liberties than about any other country in the world, and and uh, Bill of Rights besides. And so it's, it's been a very, very good place to live, though we question that to some degree. Now I'll mention something in a minute on that. But the, the thing is, oftentimes what we do is we really stress in this country, being in a country and we read the media, we know what's going on, we stress our physical freedoms and the freedoms that we, quote, have given to us by the Constitution, the government, and we must be very careful not to stress those physical freedoms, what we can do or what we cannot do, whatever. 
We must, must be ones who stress the freedoms that God wants us to give us in a spiritual, spiritual sense. That's what's important. Free then from sin and the effects of sin. Free then to do what God wants us to do. I want to I read something here because what I'm going to read sort of tells you in summary what's going on in the world today. I thought it was one of the best things that summarize it. And this is how a lot of us think. I think about this, but I, I, I read this here to make sure that you're oriented, rightly so, to what Jesus is talking about there, about freedoms, real freedoms. It says here, this is by Bill Wilson, a newsletter I get. He says, given the immensity of the World Economic Forum slash UN Great Reset Advances, freedom lovers worldwide must understand that a global stakeholder capitalism reset or war is in progress. The leaders of this economic and social revolution do not wear the uniforms of Soviet Russia, Nazi Germany, or Chinese People's Liberation Army. They dress in suits and ties and are with World Economic Forum partner corporations, globalist political parties, governments, corporate news media, and leftist nonprofits. They're working toward the global utopian society promised by communism, and they aim to take away your individual liberty and free will, free speech, and the free exercise of religion. It is due time to take action before it's too late. Then he goes on this article. In an article written for Forbes, Ida Alkin, member of the World Economic Forum Global Future Council on Cities and Urbanization, cast a vision for 2030. In the article, quote, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy in life, has never been better, end quote. She writes, quote, Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say our city. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. All in all, it is a good life, much better than the path we were on, where it became so clear that we could not continue with the same model of growth. We had all these terrible things happening, lifestyle diseases, climate change, the refugee crisis, environmental degradation, completely congested cities, water pollution, air pollution, social unrest, and unemployment. We lost way too many people before we realized that we could do things differently. Then he concludes the writer. This is the ultimate world economic form, global endgame. Now, is the time to resist. So this is just a political newsletter. It's got a Christian slant. Now's the time to resist. It's due time to take action before it's too late. And as Christians, I disagree. Okay? We must orient ourselves by the truth of God's word. Why are we here? We're not trying to achieve political freedoms. We're here to understand the spiritual freedoms that we have in Christ and work towards that end and help others see that that's what really God wants for them. It says in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. We continue on in John, John chapter 8, verses 37 to 47. It says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do things which you have heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you're seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. You're doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative. But he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. A number of things here. A lot of important truth here about Jesus and about the devil and, and about believers and about unbelievers. A number of points I want to draw from these verses here. First of all, we read about Jesus, about who he is. And Jesus, of course, has talked about this theme of who he is continually in this Gospel of John here, continually about who he is. And, and, and this, you know, this whole question of who he is is, 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 is important. It's critically important and must be understood because it relates then to what he does. That is, to his purpose in, in life. Jesus says, I speak the things which I've seen with my father. Jesus is telling us that God is his heavenly father. And you deduce from that, if God is his father, then Jesus is his son. And not only that, but Jesus is God himself. That's the logical deduction that you would make. That's what the Jews knew he was saying. Hey, if you're saying that God's your father, then you're saying that you're God. And they didn't like that. Also, Sandy's been with his father. He's been in the very presence of his father and the things that he says are the things that the father told him, things that the father wanted him then to tell others. And because he was with the father, then he was the one who was speaking the truth because he heard the truth from the father. He was not then one who was speaking the lies of the devil. He then says, I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. So here's Jesus. He's on earth. He is saying that he was with the father that it came from being with the Father, and in fact that the Father is the one who sent him to this earth. That's what he's saying. Then he says, which one of you convicts me of sin? And by this, he was not just saying that he was sinless, that he was perfectly holy, but nobody could say he was a sinner. And you think about this, and I would have loved to have been there back at that time to see Jesus, a, a, a perfectly holy, sinless man. And here are all these unbelieving Jews and these Pharisees and others who hated him, and they really couldn't convict him of any sin. And he says, which one of you convicts me of sin? And, and they couldn't. And being sinless, of course, was another evidence of the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh. And because he was sinless then, because he was sinless, then he spoke the truth, and he only spoke the truth. Because sinless people, they can't speak lies. They can only speak the truth, and that's what he was doing. That leads us then to our next point. Jesus told him the truth about himself, and primarily about himself and salvation, and, and, and about himself and that he was, you know, the Son of God, and about salvation, that he was the one who was the Savior. That's what Jesus was doing. But, but they, they didn't believe the truth, and so therefore the truth had no place in them, had no place in their hearts. They believed the lies of the devil. That's what's going on, and you cannot believe the lies of the devil and say then that you believe the truth of God. And that's what Jesus is getting at here with these guys. You can't do that. You can't believe these lies of the devil and then say you believe in me. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to believe one or the other. These people didn't understand the truth. The truth did not make sense to them. And they were trying in their own flesh to figure things out. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. It's one of the, the best passages here on the thinking of the world, and it's important that you understand this. Verse 18 to 21, just a few verses here. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us are who, be, are 
who are being saved. It is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, the, the God, the world did, through its wisdom, did not come to know God. God is well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. You need to understand this because we live in this world and we hear, we read, I just read that thing about the World Economic Forum, about the UN and the desire. They've had these desires for many years. This isn't something new. They've been cooking up these things for years and years. And really throughout the centuries, there have been those in power that have tried to say, we've got to have a, a globalist regime. That's what we need to have here. That's what we need to do. But, but you need to see this here. It says, I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise, those people that think they're so smart. They're just fools. That's what Jesus is saying here in 1 Corinthians 1. They don't have the answer. We got all bothered and upset about what they're doing. Hey, don't worry about it. He'll take care of them. Where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater? Has not God made, God made foolish the wisdom of the world, this wisdom that comes from the world, that comes from the devil, that comes from their own fleshly thinking? That's, that's, that's what's going on. And, and it says in John that they couldn't hear Jesus' word which means they didn't understand what it meant. And the reason they didn't understand what it meant was, a, was because they were children of the devil. And Jesus is, what we're going to see here, is very strong. He says, you guys are children of the devil. You might think, well, that's a little bit strong there, Jesus, calling those guys children of the devil. Well, they were. And he was right. He was right. Very important to understand that. So even as you think about this world, we see this world, the way it's going now, what's happening, sin, the corruption, the problems. There's a lot of children of the devil out there Pushing the devil's agenda, okay? Understand that. Remember that. What's going on? What's, why are things happening to people? <laughs> the devil's at work. The whole world lies in the power of the devil, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. Don't be surprised. Sinful people working in coordination with the devil. Some sinful people not even knowing that. That's what's going on. The devil's trying to accomplish his agenda. That's what he wants to do. So these unbelievers then were not children of God, but they were, in fact, then children of the devil. And every person, this is a stark, strong statement, but it's true. Every person, every person in this world right now is either a child of the devil or a child of God. That is it. That's the truth. Turn first, John chapter 3. This passage in John 8, this passage in John, 1 John 3, states this truth is clearly as any passages in the Bible that were either of God or of the devil. First John chapter 3, 7 to 10. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because the seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So if a person is a child of God, he's not a child of the devil. If a person is a child of the devil, he's not a child of God. Get it? It's pretty simple. Again, you think about life, you think about what's going on in this world, and maybe people you know yourself, that, man, well, they're really going the wrong way. Well, they're unsaved. They don't know the Lord. They're children of the devil. Sad. It's sad, but that's the fact. That's what we understand. So a person who's living on this earth and is now a child of the devil will either stay that way, and then when he physically dies, 
he'll go to hell. Real simple. Or a person who's now a child of the devil will be born again, will be saved, and become a child of God and go to heaven when he dies. That is it. John 5, 24, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. person's either spiritually dead or spiritually alive. That's the way it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him has eternal life and does not perish. So a person either that we see here living on this earth is the one who is perishing or one who has eternal life or the people perishing, as I said, maybe ones who then get saved. The person then who's saved, and what Jesus is saying here, who believes this truth about Jesus and about God and understands this truth and continues in this truth and holds this truth as one who's a believer. He doesn't waver. He doesn't go back and forth. He's not believing one thing one day and another thing the other day. So John 8, 31 says, the true disciple, the true believer, continues or abides or remains, two words that really all mean the same thing, continues, abides, remains in the truth about God. That is, he continues to believe it. Okay, it's not a matter of his, he has faith one day and not the next day or faith part of the time. No, the true Christian, I'm not saying he doesn't have problems or sin or, you know, all these things happen. But in general, in general, the true Christian continues in the truth as he goes through his life. Yeah, he may have a bad day, he may have a bad week. Okay, we understand that. That's true. But the true Christian is a child of God, and God helps him, and by God's grace and spirit, he continues on then for the Lord. John eight forty four. John eight forty four says, You are the father, the devil. You do not want to do the desires of your father. And so, again, we have to understand that there's no truth in the devil, there's no truth in the children of the devil. No truth. They're ones who are unsaved. They're ones who are unbelievers. And it's important to think about this in a, in a clear way. Unbelievers don't believe the truth about God and Jesus, but they believe the lies of the devil. Believers believe the truth about God and Jesus, but they don't believe the lies of the devil. Got it? That distinction. Again, I'm not saying believers are perfect and never... You fall to the lies of the devil. But in general, that's the point. That's the pattern. That's how God wants us to see things here. So Jesus was telling the truth. These Jewish unbelievers didn't like that. They didn't believe the truth. They believed the lies of the devil. That's what was going on here. The devil then who is a liar and who is the father of lies. Number one liar of the world, by far. We live in a world where there's, man, there's so many lies. I, I just... I just, I guess I'm somewhat amazed, and I'm really preaching to myself, because don't be amazed, Steve. You live in this world. The devil controls this world. But there's so many lies out there, just more and more lies. People just out lie, lie, don't even flinch. A lot of really good liars out there. You ever notice that? That, that guy can, woman can lie, and boom, it's amazing. The devil, okay? There's a, there's a number of lies. I'm just going to give you a few examples. I could probably list a hundred different lies, okay? I just... If you think about it, I'll just give you a few. There's the lie that God doesn't exist. There's the atheists out there. There's no God. There's a lie that evolution, that you just came from some blob throughout the millennia or throughout the millions of years. There's a lie that God didn't create you, okay? And we've talked about this. I mean, what's, taught, what's the primary thing taught in our public schools today? What is it? Evolution. Is it being promoted all over the country in our schools 
starts probably more in middle school, maybe elementary, now middle school up to college level, university level. You know, there's evolution. That's what they say. There's a lie about Jesus that he might have been a good man, but he wasn't God. There's a lie about Jesus. He didn't die for your sins. There's a lie that you, you need to work your way to heaven. And you've got to understand that the major lie in most churches today, and probably the worst, one of the worst lies is what? Church all over the world. What is it? That you've got to work for your salvation. That's the kind of church I was raised in. You've got to do good things. Be a good person. You hear it all the time. You know that. And that's what preachers, unrighteous, unbelieving preachers, preachers, is you've got to work your way to heaven. So you, so you have these lies. You have the lie that there's no heaven. You have the lie that there's no hell. You have the lie of, of annihilation. That is, that is everybody on this earth, you know, when they die, that's it. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. I mean, a lot of people believe that. They think that, okay? So you have that lie. You have the lie that everybody's going to heaven. Again, lie after lie after lie, and the devil's lies even contradict each other, okay? How can you say there's no heaven then say that everybody's going to heaven? Well, the devil doesn't care. He has all kinds of lies, and they all, just a mess. It's just a sinful, sinful mess. Continue on. Let's draw on some points from these verses here in John chapter 8. Jesus does good deeds. The devil does bad deeds, and Jesus then says to these unbelievers, says, you're doing the deeds of your father. And Jesus again was saying that these Jewish unbelievers were children of the devil, that their father was the devil. John 3, 8, it says, the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned then from the beginning. The devil enters a sinner, and all believers are sinners, are ones who do sinful and evil things. And that's all we need to think about people. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, you think about people that, that aren't Christians. Well, they're sinners. They're of the devil. This is the truth. This is what Jesus is saying. You just can't get around his words here in John 8 and what we saw in John, 1 John 3. John 10.10, 10, thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, okay? Devil's a killer. He's a murderer. Referring to the devil in John 8, says he was a murderer from the beginning. This doesn't mean that the devil's completely responsible for every murder, every killing in the world. It doesn't mean that. But he definitely tempts people to murder others. He definitely strongly influences people to do that, to be murderers and to be killers. That, that happens. I mean, again, we talk about murder. We might want to go back to Matthew where Jesus says murder is that which can be physical, of course, but it can also be in the heart. If you're angry at somebody, you're, in a sense, murdering that person in your heart. So the broad definition here. And so when it comes to murders in this world, or anger, whatever, you have to understand the devil has a huge hand in this. He has a huge hand in this. And, and, and physically, when somebody physically dies and is not saved, and God is sovereign over all this, and then every person's got to make their own decisions about Christ or not Christ, but, but when an unbeliever dies and doesn't go to heaven and goes to hell, the devil's really happy. He loves it. People joining him. devil knows where he's going. Okay. Twice in this passage, Jesus confronts these sinful jewels. We read this. They're seeking to kill him. <laughs> We've been seeing this, but now it's picking up. They're seeking to kill him. And why are they seeking to kill him? Well, they don't like him. He's you know, indicting them. They're, they're saying they're children of the devil. <laughs> it's not a good thing. They don't like him at all. They hate him. And here's Jesus. He's holy. He's perfectly holy. He's not done one thing wrong. And they want to kill him. Not one single thing wrong. Here's Jesus. He does all these good deeds. I mean, he was healing people right and left. He was speaking the truth day after day. He was sacrificing. He was serving. I mean, he was laying down his life. I mean, it was very difficult for Jesus. I mean, 
Talk about taking up your cross. Before he took up his cross, every day he was taking up his cross, denying himself, giving himself to people. But he wants to give life to people. He wants people to have an eternal life filled with love and joy and peace and purpose and everything that's good and right. That's what he wants. That's what he wants for you. If you're a Christian, that's what he wants. Sometimes we don't get things just the way we want. But, I mean, every day in this verse I've been thinking about, it was a real simple one. You know the verse. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And I'm not always as thankful as I should be. I need to grow. It says, Lord, help me be more thankful. So I'm just trying to thank him for the little things. And when you start doing that, man, every day you see the goodness of the Lord. And that is the love of the Lord. It's there. And, and that's what he wants for us as believers to, the song we sang, Philippians 3, knowing you and, and knowing his life and this eternal life and his love, joy, peace, all these things. That's what he wants. And what's the devil doing? Totally opposite. Steal, kill, and destroy. And again, I'm not saying he's actually doing it because a person murders somebody, it ultimately is his fault. He can't say the devil made me do it. He could say the devil tempted me to do it, but he can't say the devil made me do it. He can't. But the point I'm saying is the devil is really, really involved in what's going on. And also, too, what's going on, you know, this as well, is, this, is the devil is, um, he doesn't just come out and the loudspeaker and say there is no God. He's very deceptive. Very deceptive. Very. He's, he's like, as it says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, he's like an angel of light. That's what he is like. And so verses 37 to 47 talks about who Jesus is, that he speaks the truth. He speaks the truth about the devil, this one then who is a liar and a father of liars and murderers too. And so people then are either children of the devil or children of God. And so one of your purposes in life, then, is, is by your life, by your example, by your words, to share the gospel with those who are children of the devil in hopes and praying that they then become children of God, right? That's, that's it. This, this verse, I, I might have read this reason. I, I really like this. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. 2 Timothy 2 talks about this. In the context, he's, of course, talking to spiritual leaders, to pastors, but it just relates to all of us here. 2 Timothy 2.24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. You're talking to unbelievers who don't know the truth. If perhaps, because God's sovereign, if perhaps God may grant them repentance. They need to repent, but God's got to grant it to them. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do as well. Unbelievers then are under the snare of the devil. They're ensnared. They're, they're, it says held captive by him to do as well. Again, how does that relate to man's responsibility versus the devil? I don't know. All I know is it says here that unbelievers are under the snare of the devil. They're caught, they're trapped, which is a sad thing. And so that's something, too, to pray for the unbelievers, that, that, that they hear the truth, and, and, and God just takes off those chains of the devil that bind them. I think it's in Proverbs 2, 5, I forget. Someplace there in the first few Proverbs, says their, 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 their sin binds them. It it's binds them, it just ties them up. Let's continue back to John chapter... 8, 48 to 52. 
It says in 48, the Jews answered and said to him, do we still not, do we, do we not say rightly that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. You dishonor me. I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. So Jesus then shares all this good truth with these unbelieving Jews. And how do they answer him? Two main points here. One, they says, man, you're a Samaritan. A Samaritan. And a Samaritan back then was one who was not a true Jew. That is, Samaritans he had some Jewish blood, but also other blood. Okay. And, you know, we might call him today somebody, well, half-breed. He was a half-breed. Samaritan. And most Jews hated, I mean, really hated, you know, hated uh, the Samaritans. I mean, we, we talk about racism today. It's always been racism. And so it was, and it was strong. I mean, so strong, you don't ever step onto their land. You don't go there. You stay away. And so there was a lot of venom going on, really, back and forth between them. And so calling Jesus Samaritans, like calling them a really, really bad name. That's what they were doing. But, but more than that, what'd they say? I mean, this is, this is strong. Jesus has a demon. <laughs> they say, and he has a demon. He's of the devil. He's working for the devil, and just the opposite is true. He is of God. He is the very Son of God. He is perfectly holy. And these unbelievers, these Jewish unbelievers who hated him, they were of the devil. That's what was going on. And that even happens today. There's people out there, whether it's political or spiritual discourse, you know, and, and, and they'll call us really bad people, Christians. And what we're seeing here in the last year or two, and I, I might go into this more, is we will continue to see this. And, and, and it's pretty obvious by what's happening in the, in the political world and in our culture the last couple of years that, you know, they're setting things up, or the devil's setting things up, because I don't think they will know what they're doing really, where they'll come after us, okay, much more close. And I just, I just read this yesterday relative to the Roe v. Wade. And they said those Christian extremists. I mean, that's the kind of language. So the step isn't very far to where we are the number one problem in this country and the world. It's not, we're not. Whether we're six months away or a year or two, it's all seeable. It's very seeable where things are going. Christians are the problem. This Roe v. Wade, we're for sure the problem, okay? So anyway, um, so they said Jesus has a demon, and of course he did. So how does Jesus answer them? He says, I do not have a demon. I do not have a demon. He goes on to say, I honor my father. And why did he say this? Because this was Jesus' ultimate purpose. It was to please his father, to honor his father, to have his father get the glory. That was his ultimate purpose in life. We've read this before, John 17, other places. He wanted his father to receive the glory. And so what he was saying then is, I'm not honoring the devil. I don't work for him. I honor God. That's what he was saying there. Then Jesus tells them that they don't honor him. And of course they should, right? Because he is a son of God. He is God in the flesh. They should honor him. If they don't honor him, they're not honoring the Father. John chapter 5. Turn back there. John 5, 21, 23. Just as the Father 
raised the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So that's what he's telling them. He says, you don't honor me. If you don't honor me, you don't honor the Father. Okay, you guys are the devil. That's, that's this clear, clear message in these verses here. And Jesus then wants to honor and glorify his Father. The Father, of course, wants to honor and glorify his Son. And this is really his primary and ultimate purpose, is, is that his Son is honored and glorified, and greatly so, and eternally so. Turn to these verses. We know these, but the, these are so good. This is, these are big picture verses. The Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, 9 to 11. Philippians 1, Philippians 2, 9 to 11. For this reason also God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name, name uh, which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's his purpose. And during the millennial kingdom, the next age, which isn't that far away, this is what we'll see. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Whether they're saved or not, it's going to happen on this earth. It'll be wonderful. Won't we want to see that? It's not happening now. I mean, the name of Jesus, the name of God is blasphemed. It's just smashed in the mud is what's taking place. But God knows. We read there that he makes judgments. God was just and holy and merciful. God made judgments, which is another way to say he made righteous decisions, okay? What we just read in John 5 is that God has given all judgment to the Son. He's delegated that. Ultimately, judgment is to the Father, but the judgment goes to the Son. Not much judgment taking place now. This judgment is going to be seen a lot more so in the future. That's what's going to take place. But he's, he's honest with these Jews here, and he tells them the truth. He wants them to know that if you keep my word and if you obey my word, if you remain in me, then you're my disciples. You're ones then that, that won't see death, means they won't stay spiritually dead, but in fact then will be born again, will be spiritually alive, will receive eternal life, and will live forever with God. Let's go back to John 8. 52 and 53 again. John 8, 52, the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never see taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham, who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? These sinful Jews did not like what Jesus said and really didn't believe what he said. And, and, and I'm not going to try to sort through their thinking. I'm not even sure what their thinking was. They were very confused. You know, they just were confused. Um, they didn't understand what he's all talking about. He was really talking more on a spiritual level. Physical death, yeah, there's physical death, but there's also spiritual death. That's what he's trying to convey to them, set you free from sin, not be spiritually dead. That was his intent. But they didn't get it. They were just confused, and he's trying to answer back and forth them with the truth. But they also say that, they also thought that Jesus was saying that he was God. Hey, you're saying you're God. You're saying that you are, in fact, greater than Abraham, who had already died. 
the truth that Jesus was God and he was greater than Abraham. So he's just telling them the truth. Let's, let's finish up with these verses here in the last part of, of John 8, 54 to 59. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you've not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do know him, do not know him, I will be a liar, like you. But I do know him and keep his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Jews said to him, You're not yet fifty years old. You have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Many truths here. I'm just going to briefly mention seven of them. What does he say in his summation? He says that the Father, his Father, that God himself is the one who is glorifying him. And if the Father is glorifying him, then it's impossible for Jesus to have a demon. So he says that. He says, my Father is leading me. My Father is the one who is glorifying me. And, and, and I'm not being led, I'm not being influenced by the devil or any demons. Secondly, Jesus knew these Jews were saying that God was their God, that God was their Father. He knew that. But God was not their father. Their father was the devil. And in this whole passage, Jesus wants them to know, you are not of God. You are not of me. You are on the devil. You're the wrong side. Oftentimes in, 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 in the religious world, we have this you know, continuum. You're sort of working your way to heaven. And that's the way I was raised. I mean, in my religion, when I raised, you, you didn't know if you was going to heaven or not until you die. So this continuum, well, you just sort of pile it up the good deeds through life, and hopefully you'll finally achieve that place where you've got enough good works and stuff. That was the thought. There's this continuum. But clearly, there's no continuum. It's either it's black or white. You're of God or of the devil. That's, that's what Jesus wants the people to know. Jesus then said he, he knew God. He had a relationship with him, and he did. He said he kept his word, that he obeyed his word, and he did. He's just telling them what's true and right. He said these Jews did not go, know God, and, 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 and they didn't. This means that they did not keep his word. They did not obey his word. They would be ones who would see death. Meaning what? Let me briefly remind you of what this death is. There's spiritual death. Every person on this planet who is not saved is spiritually dead. In his soul, he's separated from God. He has no relationship with God. A person then physically dies who's spiritually dead, then will be eternally dead. So we have, we, we have you know, spiritual death, physical death, takes place at a point in time, and eternal death. That's it. So you're going to see death. And I think he was talking about the whole big picture there when he said that. Next, Jesus is not at all afraid. He calls these Jews liars. You know, in Proverbs, looking for the verse, I can't remember, someplace in Proverbs, says, the righteous are as bold as lion. And I would have loved to have been here on this. There's a lot of different places you love to see what Jesus was saying. I would have loved this scene here where he's talking to these Jewish unbelievers and calling them children of the devil and stuff and calling them liars. I mean, what a, Jesus was righteous. He was bold as a lion. And I cannot help but think that he said it in a very firm and strong way. Not just meek or mild. Not that he wasn't like that at times. But he's very firm. He was bold. He was strong. He did not mince words. And he did not mince any words in these verses here. That's what we see. Now, all Jews would call their Abraham their father. 
Jesus tells them that he was alive before Abraham, meaning on one hand that, hey, if I was alive before Abraham, I could have been his father. But what he's really saying, because he used that little, two little words there, I am. I'm not sure what it's in the Hebrew, but I am. I am is classic. You see the I am's here in John. You go back to the X's, I am. It's a phrase for God, the eternal existence of God. By saying I am, he was saying he was God. I'm God. I, I wasn't just before Abraham. I, was, I am God. I was God. I will always be God. And I created Abraham. That's, in effect, what he was saying there. And so finally then the Jews try to kill Jesus because they knew what he was saying. They understood that language of him saying, I am. They said, this guy's trying to say he's God. He's blaspheming. And that was the one thing they knew. And that's what they finally got him for. We read later in John and the Gospels, they got him for blasphemy. This guy, they couldn't find any actual sin, but there's one sin of blasphemy. So right here, hey, we got to kill him. Because the Jewish law would say, you kill people like this. And they were right in that sense, but they were wrong because he really was God. That's the truth. But they failed. His time had not yet come. But we're not very far in this part of the text here, not very far at all from when that time would come when he would be killed by them. This Gospel of John, and this is, again, a, a chapter where, you know, I've mentioned the red letter edition. You know, you can see all these things Jesus said, and it's just really encouraging to read through what he says and his clarity and and I know different people that would say, oh, I'm a, and these are unbelievers, and I'm a follower of Jesus, and they I quote a few of Jesus' verses. But they don't quote ones like this, okay? They'll just quote certain ones about this, that, or the other to make them feel good. It's filled with wonderful, important, life-changing truths, truths that we need to know and understand and to believe and apply to our lives. That's what God wants for us. I want to close just with a few verses here. They're important. First one I'll repeat is John... 1 John 5.19, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. The second one is, is in Ephesians 6, if you want to turn there, because we're talking about the, the devil here, and um, life is hard. Sometimes life is hard because we're just not trusting God. We're not walking the Spirit. We're not filled up with his, his grace. Sometimes it's hard because we're being tempted. There's spiritual battle, and it's sometimes hard to determine, okay? I mean, this happens to me. I'll be, I feel a little bit down or feel a little bit of oppression. It's, what's going on here? Is this my flesh? Is this, it's, just, it's sometimes hard to discern, okay? So I don't want to go into that point here. But, but there are times the devil, he's really against us, and he wants us discouraged, and he's actively coming against us. But these verses here in Ephesians 6 are classic ones. And finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Which is an important subject. I mean, do you know what the schemes of the devil are? We're not going to talk about them today, but there's devil schemes. He's scheming against you. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You ever have problems with some individual, conflict with some other person? You ever have problems? Sure, we all do. I have conflicts at times. Struggles, don't get along with somebody. And I'm not saying those aren't real. What he's saying is your real struggle is not against the people you can see. It's not. It's not. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So important. And we jump down to verse 18. 
With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert and with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So, with this in view, that's how the NIV starts, with this in view, with all this in view we've talked about here in these spiritual warfare, verses 10 to 17, with this in view, what do you need to do? You need to have that belt of truth. We read in verse 14, but we also need to pray. Truth and prayer, truth and prayer, truth and prayer. One more final thought here. Turn to Matthew 5. And, and I say this because as we've talked about today, there's problems in this world. And, 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 and we look at things way too much from a political perspective or what's going on physically or what's happening. Or we look this way or Roe v. Wade. I mean, way too much. Way too much. You've got to be careful. What's your purpose? We know these verses, but let's read them again. Verse 13 of Matthew 5, You are the salt of the earth. Salt has become tasteless. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this time. It's wonderful to be here in a church where we can look at your word and know it's true. We live in a world, but if we're not in the church, we're going to be really confused. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for helping us to see rightly. Help us to live rightly, Lord. Help us to be ones who, who have your truth in us more and more and more, who believe it. Help us just to continue on, encourage us, strengthen us, and protect us from the schemes of the devil. We'll read that in John 17. Pray that you deliver them from the enemy. Jesus prays for his disciples, and we know you're praying for that too. We pray that today. Protect us. Deliver us from evil. Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. We need help. We need protection. We need truth. Help us to be fighters, and sometimes we start fighting for you, Lord. It seems like the battle gets harder, which is really true. If we're just sitting out there on our couch and watching some nice little TV show at home but aren't fighting for you, man, we're not going to get attacked by the devil much need to be. That Lord, help us to be fighters. And then when the enemy comes after us, however that may come, whatever scheme that might be, help us to be strong. We all know that if we were actually fighting in some physical war with guns and had helmets on and were soldiers, it wouldn't feel good being in a battle. It wouldn't feel good at all. It doesn't feel good being in this spiritual battle either, but we are here for you. So help us, God, to be strong and courageous and be soldiers and to be fighters and pray that for each one here each one listening on god we need this pray that for bethel or they need this they're in a spiritual warfare as a church we are too we just thank you for your great love your great mercy thank you lord that you will keep us strong i love that promise from you first corinthians 1 8 9 he will keep you strong to the end so that you be blameless on the day of our lord jesus christ and you are faithful we thank you for that promise because sometimes we feel so weak and tired or unable to do what you want. We just say, man, this is, this is hard. I might as well give up. We feel that way. We all feel that way at times. That's life. But Lord, you, by your grace, all of us here, I know everyone here, some agree, is you've kept us going and you will. We, we're convinced of that. But just keep us going and encourage us and help us to keep trusting you and walking by faith, Lord. 
those who couldn't be here today, Lord, just encourage them. Lord, bring them back here, Lord, so we all can be together more as a church family. We ask you for that. But thank you again for your great love, your mercy, this time together, this fellowship that we can have as a church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just mentioned briefly about my wife. She, I think you all know that she had a surgical procedure Thursday morning, and the doctor, I remember, doctor called me, said it was great, no problems, that as everything went well, Marcia conveyed trying to remember these three things she said tell her tell them that i'm healing up that i'm feeling better and thanks for your prayers and then i said an add on says and and that they continue to pray um it's i mean it wasn't major major so uh, but it's still you know she has to heal up so just pray for that but she is feeling better and the pain isn't quite as bad so that's a good thing so again thank you for all that Announcement-wise, I will start with, um, some of you know we keep a, uh, a food pantry um, for folks that are, are in need of help with food. So it's getting a little bit low. If you wanted to bring some canned goods or other items for the food pantry, uh, welcome to do that at your convenience. And this is the holiday week coming up, so next weekend being 4th of July weekend, we're going to take a break this week as far as our normal prophecy Bible study and normally we would have the men's meeting on Friday so both of those will be the next week next Wednesday so two weeks uh, Wednesday we'll have our prophecy Bible study July 6 and July 8th will be the men's meeting so don't show up here Friday men you'll be disappointed so <laughs> and then um, uh, just an update on other um, Activities coming up are our preaching schedule. We've got um, two of our missionary uh, groups that we support as a church. We'll have a representative uh, teaching on July 17th. We've got Ken Fuller with TMAI. And then August, end of August, I think it's the 28th, will be Frank Apiza, our Italian missionary. So Ken's involved with... Um, our Honduras ministries and Frank with it Italian ministries. So uh, put that on your schedule. That's exciting. And also as an update for uh, Frank, his wife Pam, um, he mentioned to me that she's back on a certain medic medication for her cancer. It's a bloodborne type of cancer, I believe. And so it's doing well. And she's down to, he said, like 20%. Um, I guess, which is how much it shows up in the blood, maybe, 20%. He, he was excited about it, so we'll say that's good. Uh, so uh, keep praying for Pam that, that her cancer would stay, uh, let's say, remission. I don't know if that's the right word. but And then today is Matthew meal. So if you're able to stick around for lunch, when the doors open back here, we'll be able to go through and have lunch together, good fellowship time, sharing what's going on in each other's lives, what to pray for for each other. So do that. And then lastly, um, before we have our songs to end with, as far as your offering, you can uh, give in the box on the back table, mail it into the church, or give online. Thank you.
invite you, if you're able, to stand with us for our last <clears throat> two songs. The first one goes right along with Philippians that Steve quoted, that one day <clears throat> every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. being ashamed of the gospel and uh, at this point you know we always talk talk to Steve talk just a little bit about it there there's never really been a, a lot of persecution in, in our country against Christians people may make fun of us or call us names goody two-shoes or whatever it would be but more and more um, they're trying to intimidate the Christian and not have us stand up for what we believe that 
there is no truth, you know, it's just everybody has their own truth and they don't want you to stand and say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only way to heaven is through Him. So that's, that is what God's calling us to be in the midst of all of this and to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God for salvation. Everyone who believes, everyone who believes. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to everyone who believes. But God demonstrated His own love for us, in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to everyone who believes. Can we just first thank the Lord for our Matthew Father, we thank you for again this time we had a fellowship together also to meal together. We bless you. You give us so many good things and we thank you now for this food. Benediction is from Second Timothy chapter 4, 17, 18. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, that all the Gentiles might hear. I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil people, bringing me safely to his heavenly kingdom, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.